السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه من استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين. اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين رب العالمين ثم ما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. قل يا عبادي الذين أسرفوا على أنفسهم لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم ربي شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحن العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين رب العالمين Inshallah, I will only be talking to you about one ayah. I will not talk to you about anything else. Just this one ayah that I feel I can share with you. Those of you that are going to try and remember this, inshallah, this is surah number 39 and ayah number 53. So 39, 53 is the reference to this ayah, this discussion that we're about to have, inshallah. In this ayah, there are two conversations. And both of these conversations are really, really important to understand. One lesson, and by the way, in both conversations, Allah is talking to two different audiences. One conversation is between Allah and someone who is trying to preach Allah's message. The other conversation is between Allah and someone who has lived a life of sin. And they, they do so much sin that they've completely lost hope. And they feel as though they are so messed up that at this point they are never going to be able to become a good person again. So they, they feel like they reached a point of no return. Once again, there are two conversations. One conversation is between Allah and the one who is trying to send a message to people, a da'i. Someone who is trying to preach, someone who is trying to give good advice or counsel. And the other is Allah talking to someone who is sinful. Of course, the when we try to give the message of Islam to people, who are we emulating after? Whose model are we trying to duplicate? It's the model of the Messenger of Allah When we call people to Allah, we're trying to copy what he did because he's the first and the best to call people to Allah. The ayah begins with the word قُلْ Say. And it's singular. Meaning Allah is saying to one person, say. That one person is the Messenger of Allah Allah is telling His Messenger what to say when He talks to people. What to say when He talks to people. So remember I told you there are two conversations? There are two lessons? The first lesson is Allah is teaching His Messenger what to say. And when we learn that carefully, what Allah is teaching His Messenger to say, if you and I ever want to do the work of da'wah, and if you and I ever want to talk to someone engrossed in sin, then we should take this ayah carefully because now we're also learning what should we say to people like that? The second conversation, Allah tells the Messenger to tell these people that are immersed in sin, tell them that I'm still willing to talk to them directly. What should you say to them? Ya ibadi alladheena asrafu ala anfusihim. My slaves, those of you that have made violations against their own selves, those of you that have gone beyond limits, only harming your own selves. I'm using a simplified translation to get the message of the ayah across. The words, the, the first words are my slaves. My slaves. Who's talking? 
Who says my slaves? Does the messenger say my slaves? Or does Allah say my slaves? Allah says my slaves. So the messenger is supposed to go to people and tell them, look what Allah says to who? Says to you. You know when somebody's really upset with you, they don't talk to you? Right? They refuse to talk to you? So you could say, you know, Allah is not angry at you. Allah might forgive you, but you're talking about Allah. But in this ayah, Allah is not, not only talking to you, He's giving you hope. He's talking to you. So that you're, remind, you're, you're reminding the sinful person, listen, Allah is directly addressing you. Now, when the one who does a lot of sins, you know in Arabic, one of the words for that is musrif. Musrif. Musrif is someone, Allah set a limit, and He went beyond that limit. You know, literally, when you set a border, like you put a, a fence, and you tell the horse, don't go past that fence, you train the horse. But when it crosses that fence, that fence, the horse is called a musrif, right? Allah sets a limit. Don't eat this. Don't look at that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Remain within these limits. When you cross those limits, then the, what is this person called? Muslim, right? The ayah doesn't say, tell the messenger to speak to the people and say, Qul, ya musrifun. People who go past the limits, listen up. Don't lose hope in Allah's mercy. It's not like that. Allah says to them, Ya ibadi, my slaves, my slaves. You know, in normal discourse, who you call a slave of Allah? Like that person, such a good slave of Allah. The word slave implies someone who obeys the master, someone who loves the master, someone who listens to everything the master says, doesn't it? But what I'm trying to get across to you is this ayah is not talking about people that obey Allah, it's talking about people who what? Who disobey Allah. But Allah says, even talks to them and says, my slaves. Ya ibadi. This is a term of love. And also what they're being told is, no matter how much you messed up, you still haven't lost your ability to become a slave. You still have a hope. You still, there's still hope alive with you. So much so, not only am I talking to you, I'm calling you by a good name. Ya ibadi. By the way, the word abd is also used in the Quran for the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa Alhamdulillah alladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitab Subhanallah alladhi asra bi abdihi laylan Subhanallah That word slave is used for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And in this ayah Allah is using that word to call the person who sins The person who is immersed in sins What does he say to him? Ya ibadi alladhina asrafu ala anfusihim My slaves who have crossed the limits only harming their own selves Who have transgressed against their own selves you know when you break the rules, when you break the rules, you figure you've harmed the one who set those rules. Like if your parents told you don't do this, that, or the other, and you do it, you figure you've hurt whose feelings? Your parents. You've harmed your parents. So when you cross the limits, and when you break the rules and regulations, and you disobey, you are hurting someone else. But according to Allah, in this case, whenever you sin, whenever you cross Allah's limits, who are you hurting? You're only hurting yourself. So Allah tells you, my slave, who is so bent upon not hurting me, but hurting himself. You can't harm Allah, you can't take away from Him anything. So when you and I disobey Allah, who are we harming? Our own selves. You've only harmed yourselves. And by the way, I want to tell you what this harming yourself, some practical examples of what does it mean that you're harming yourself. Since there's a lot of young people here, I know since some really young people here too, but I should still share this with you. When you see something shameless, when you see something shameless, you've actually harmed yourself. Every time you see something shameless, your heart becomes harder. You lose a part of your humanity. 
animals have no shame. But Allah gave human beings a sense of shame. And the more you see something shameless, the closer you start becoming to what? Animals. The closer you start becoming to animals. Until a point comes where there's no difference between you and an animal. You know what, the, what makes an animal an animal? An animal has no control over its urges. It's hungry, it bites. It sees a, a mate, it runs after it. A squirrel running after the other squirrel around the tree. <coughs> Crazy. Right? It has no control over its urges. No control over its tongue. No control over what it eats. No control over where it goes. Whenever it feels something, it does it. Right? Which is the contemporary equivalent of saying, I do whatever I feel like doing. You ever heard that expression? I do what I feel like. I'm going to do what I want. You know what that, that by definition, what behavior that is? The behavior of an animal. When you become accustomed to shamelessness, you are closer to becoming an animal. When you don't care what you eat, it doesn't matter, halal, halal, you don't care. Whatever goes in, it's okay. Then you are no different from an animal. So who are you harming? You're harming yourself. Allah gave you the status of human being and you want to reduce yourself to an animal. Subhanallah. You're only harming yourself. And by the way, those of you that are a little bit older, Especially when it, when it comes to shame, there, there are two problems, I believe personally, there are two problems that Muslim youth have. If they can solve these two problems, they have no other problems, as far as I'm concerned. They got no other problems. The first problem they have is they are not respectful enough to their parents. The second problem they have is they are overexposed to shamelessness. Two problems. If you can solve these two problems, you got no other. Everything else will be solved. Everything else will be fine. You don't make salah on time, it'll be fixed. Don't worry about it. It will come into play. You don't know it, you don't have enough knowledge, knowledge will come to it. You know, those everything else will fall into place. But these are the two things that are eating away at the life the, the life of Muslim youth and reducing them from not just believers, but even from human beings to animals. Even Muslim kids are being reduced to like the likeness of animals. The number one thing was what? What was the biggest problem? Yeah, not enough respect for your parents. Not enough respect for your parents. So you know when Allah is talking about the slaves who went against beyond their limits? You know what the number one limit you're crossing is? And as far as you guys are concerned? What you owe your parents. How much respect, how much dignity, how much regard, how much obedience, how much love you owe your parents. That's the first thing. By the way, when somebody does you a favor, what's the least you should do? Thank you. You're walking to school, a friend of yours pulls over and says, I'll give you a ride, man. And he gives you a ride, the rest, and it's snowing, and it's, you know, it's freezing, and he gives you a ride. When he gives you a ride, when you get off the ride, what do you say at the very least? And what kind of indecent, despicable person would you be that they did that for you, and then you don't even thank them? Right? That would be a disgusting human being. You don't even have that much dignity to say thanks, man. Now, just think about, you know, a lot, a lot of you have this conversation among yourselves. Or even at school, or among friends. My parents, man, they just don't understand, bro. I'm trying to understand, you know, I'm trying to explain to them, but they just don't get it. Or you know, in, in, in uh, those of you that go to public school hear this from other kids all the time. My parents got a funny accent, or, you know, they call their mom by their her first name. Hey, Joanne, how's it going? Hey, Mark, you're late to pick me up from school. They'll talk to about, talk to their parents with their first name, right? And we pick up some of these habits. And by the way, there are a lot of TV shows. I mean, you guys don't watch cartoons. I do, though. Okay, so I'll tell you. Uh, you watch cartoons, and a lot of cartoons are, are, are dedicated to depicting parents as idiots. 
You ever seen Jimmy Neutron? You ever seen it? The parents are cross-eyed. You notice that? The parents look like a bunch of morons, and they're cross-eyed, and they don't know what's going on. And the kid's the genius, they're the idiots. You ever seen, what's that other, you know, there's a fair, fairly odd parent. You ever seen that? Same thing again. The kids are a bunch of morons. The parents are morons. And the, the kids are really smart. And these kids, who's watching these shows, by the way? Parents or kids? And what's being embedded in their mind, in their subconscious? That they're really smart and their parents are what? They're stupid, they're dumb, they don't know anything. You know, they don't know anything. The same thing, what was that African-American family in Disney, I forget, I think it's called the Proud Family. The Proud, same thing. Same thing again. Over and over, and this is cartoons. You know, back in the day, the cartoon was, there was a cat, there was a mouse, they're trying to kill each other, everything was good. But now, <laughs> that was good stuff. But now it's, you know, there's these messages inside the shows, and these cartoons even, right? And you don't even realize the next time you talk about your parents a certain way, it's because you saw some garbage. Right, and it's stuck in your head and it made you less of a human. Less of a human being, subhanAllah. So the first thing I say to you is, there are, you know, after the rights of Allah, in the passage of Surah Al-Isra, after the rights of Allah, whose rights? The parents. وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And not even وَإِحْسَانًا بِالْوَالِدَيْنِ this is actually, I won't go into the grammar, but this is amazing over here. Especially when it comes to your parents, you better be the best. Forget everyone else when it comes to your parents. Take extra caution when you deal with your parents. Because that will, not dealing with them properly, I'm being blunt with you guys, because I don't want to flower this up. That is your one-way ticket to hell. You are messed up with your parents, it doesn't matter if you go to Hajj every year, and you know, slaughter goats for the sake of Allah, and give charity, and you know, none of that matters. If you're messed up with your parents, it's a straight ticket to hellfire. Watch it. So in this ayah, he says, if you've messed up before, who have you harmed? Yourselves. Then what does he say? He says, لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله. Don't lose hope in Allah's mercy. Anaqa in Arabic is to lose, to be, become depressed and sad to a point where you expect nothing good anymore. <coughs> Allah is describing a person who does so many messed up things. Shaitan comes to them and says, man, you're so messed up. You call yourself a Muslim? You're so messed up. You shouldn't even pray anymore, you hypocrite. How are you going to stand there and recite Quran and pray when you know you're such a messed up person? You know, you shouldn't even, you know, you shouldn't even do any of these things or hang out with Muslims or this and that. Cut yourself off because you don't deserve it. You're a filthy person. You're a terrible human being. And the shaitan comes to you and uses your one mistake to, to trick you into doing more mistakes and taking you even further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On this, I've talked about this elsewhere, but I want to just bring this point to your attention because this is very important for you guys. When you make a mistake, like when you walk in late to class, that's a mistake. You walk in late to class. Do you make eye contact with the teacher or do you avoid eye contact with the teacher? You avoid eye contact. When you make it late to work, you make eye contact with your boss or you sneak into your cubicle or your office? You sneak in. When you get a really bad report card and you walk home, you enter the house, do you, Assalamualaikum, I'm home! Or is it uh, you barely notice the, the door opens, you take the shoes off before you go up the stairs, go inside the bed and pass out, Right? In other words, when you disappoint someone, 
you try to avoid them. The point I'm trying to make is when you disappoint someone, you try to avoid them. Because it's embarrassing. You don't want to face them because it's humiliating. When you sin, who have you disappointed? Disappointed Allah. Shaitan comes and says, what should you do? Avoid. Avoid. The natural instinct of a human being, when he disappoints someone, he or she avoids. Shaitan comes and says, avoid the prayer. Avoid going among in a company where you'll be reminded of Allah. Avoid all of it because how can you face Him now? What kind of person are you? And the further you get, the more you start listening. You listen to one thing, then you listen to two things, then you listen to three things. And the door, the floodgates to sin are open. And when they open up, you become so immersed in them, and you say, man, I am so messed up, there's no way Allah's forgiving me. You don't even know, bro, the things I've done, I'm messed up. His brother came up to me one time and said, Bro, I know you're talking about like Allah forgiving and everything, but you don't know, man, I'm bad. I'm real bad. You don't even know. I was like, don't tell me how bad. Tell me this. How, as bad as you are, can you compete your evil deeds, the power of your evil deeds with the power of Allah's mercy? What's stronger? What do you think? Allah's mercy. So Allah says, you, you, the worst thing you can do is lose hope in Allah's mercy. In this ayah he says, my slaves, those who were violated against their own selves, don't lose hope in Allah's mercy. Then he says, There is no doubt, for sure, Allah will cover, forgive all of the mistakes, all of the sins altogether. He will come, take all of your pile of evil deeds and get rid of all of them. All of them. In one shot. The first thing you need to do in this ayah is not lose hope. Right? The first thing you need to do is not lose hope. And by the way, before I talk about not lose hope, that was the final stage. What was the first stage? You start doing what with Allah? Avoiding Him. You start avoiding. You don't talk to Him. By the way, you know, all of you, you should talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You memorize lots of du'as, the prayer is done, you raise your hands, you make some du'as, you memorize. When you're walking to school, when you're walking down the stairs, when you're by yourself, talk to Allah, man, I, I really messed up, I'm sorry. You know when you talk to someone and you know they can hear you? You know, I mean, when you talk to someone on the phone, you know they can hear you. When you talk to Allah, do you know He can hear you? Do you know He can hear you? Yes. Yeah. And if you feel weird talking to Allah, if you feel like, I feel like I'm talking to myself. That's kind of weird. You know what that means? That means you're not really a strong believer. Because you have to believe that Allah hears you. So you have to learn to talk to Allah in your private moments. You talk to Allah. You have to believe that He not only hears you, He also sees you. And you behave differently when someone sees you and hears you, and you behave differently when they don't see you or don't hear you. Isn't that true? So we have to develop that consciousness. This one ayah, subhanAllah, those of you that try to advise others about deen, what's the first step for these people? The people, Muslims who are immersed in sin and they're doing all kinds of haram things, where, where do you start talking to them? If you tell them this is haram, they already know it's haram. When you tell them you shouldn't do that, they already know they shouldn't do that. It's not like they didn't know. They're doing it anyway. What's, what is this, this ayah teaching us? Where do you start? What do you tell them first? Listen, you're still a Muslim. Even if you disobey Allah, you're still his slave. And that, that master of yours, he's saying, don't lose hope, even if you've sinned. And don't, don't come and tell me, you don't know, man, I'm real bad. Allah knows more. Allah actually knows how bad you are. 
And on, despite how bad you are, he still says, don't lose hope in my mercy. لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله. Then he says, إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا. No doubt, Allah will forgive the sins, all of them altogether. This is, by the way, the concept of tawbah in Islam. The concept, is, you've heard about tawbah before, right? Tawbah. Just one thing I want to tell you about tawbah. I don't want to give you a long lecture. I just want to just open this discussion with you. Two things I wanted to highlight, the rights of your parents, we'll talk about a little more, and then shamelessness, two problems that youth have. And when I'm saying make tawbah, and don't lose hope in Allah's mercy, then now what do you go back and do? You change your ways in regards to two things. You change your ways in regards to how you deal with your parents, and you change your ways in regards to how exposed you are and how desensitized you are to shameless things. Shameless words, shameless language, shameless company, shameless things on the screen, I don't care what screen, whether it's your cell phone screen, or it's your laptop screen, or it's a TV screen, I don't care. If it's from the screen, watch it. Shameless things on, in the hallway when you're walking down. The aisle in, in, you know, the, the, in high school, the hallway in high school, or in class. You're exposed to shamelessness and you know it. And you're exposed to so much shamelessness your parents don't even know it exists. So you know about it, but you should know Allah knows too. Save yourself from becoming an animal. People around you are animals. They are. You see them. They're worse than animals. They can't even control their mouth. They don't even know when to show respect and when not to show respect. They don't know. That's what an animal is. It, the dog, it just barks. It has no control. You know? So we shouldn't be reduced to that. So the last thing, inshallah ta'ala, This is something you read all the time in the Quran. Probably you haven't heard something, maybe you haven't heard something discussed about it in a little bit more detail. Allah says about Himself, it is He who is forgiving and merciful. But the way He said forgiving, the word ghafoor, there's a wow in there. You hear that? Ghafoor. When he said Rahim, what letter is in the middle? The Ya. The Wow in Arabic, it does something to the meaning of a word. I won't get technical with you, but I will tell you it does something to the meaning of a word. It makes it excessive. So what he's saying is he's extremely forgiving. He is extremely forgiving. The Ya, it doesn't make a word extreme, it makes it permanent. So Rahim means he's always merciful. So the meaning is, he's extremely forgiving, at the same time he's what? Always merciful. So why not say always forgiving? The question is, he said he's extremely forgiving, but he didn't say what? Always forgiving. You know why? Because he's not always forgiving. He's not always forgiving. If he said always forgiving, then you have no problem. You can do whatever you want. And then when you get in trouble, what can you say? Hey, look, Allah is... Always forgiving. But he's not always forgiving. He's extremely forgiving. But even when he punishes, he's still what? Always merciful. Even then he's merciful. SubhanAllah. So don't take advantage of thinking that Allah is always going to forgive. That door is not always open. That depends on you. Now this, this one ayah is one of opening your, the doors of your relationship between you and Allah once again. The rest of these ayat in Surah Zumar, let's see who, who remembers what ayah number this was. Our Surah and ayah, let's see. Uh-uh, not 25, ma'am. 3953. Very good. Oh, you wrote it down on your phone. That's not fair. Oh, you didn't? Okay. 3953. 3953, that's correct. The next ayah tells you, okay, now that you've revived your hope and you are hopeful that Allah will forgive you, what should you do next? What do you do next? I'll tell you only a little bit about it and then I'm done, inshallah. وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ Turn back towards your master. 
You remember what I said when somebody sins, what do they do? Avoid. Allah says, quit avoiding and now turn back. It's such appropriate language. Then he says, وَأَسْلِمُونَهُ And this time, give up before him. Completely give yourself up. Surrender. Surrender your ego. Surrender your temptations. Surrender your bad habits. Surrender your tongue. Surrender your eyes. Right? Surrender your wasting of time. Surrender your, you know, your, your misbehavior. All of that, give it up before him. Aslimudahu. And then we're rushing through it quickly, inshaAllah. And you better do this before the punishment comes and then you won't be helped. In other words, Allah is saying, this is my way of what for you? Figure it out. What is Allah doing right now? In these words. He's helping you. And he's saying, if the punish, once the punishment comes and you didn't take advantage of this help, at that point you will not be helped. When that happens, it's too late. You won't get helped. You're getting help right now. So if somebody says, Allah hasn't helped me. Yes, He has. Here it is. He said, don't lose hope. He said, the door to forgiveness is open. You just have to turn back to Him and this time surrender. This time surrender your will before Him. You can do that much and that is Allah's help for you. And if you don't do that, you just wait for the punishment. And when it, when it comes then there's no matter how much you cry and scream and say, I believe, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, doesn't matter now. At that point you will not be helped. By the way, the word Nasara in Arabic is not just small help, it's huge amounts of help. Aid, you know like, you know, if somebody, you give somebody a pen, you help them out, that's not Nasra, that's not Nasr. When, when a country gives another country like millions of dollars in like food supplies and medicine and things like that, that's called Nasra. What the word here suggests is you are going to be in such a heap of trouble that a little bit of help won't even do. You're going to ask for what? Huge amounts of help and you won't get it. make us from these unfortunate people. Now the, the, the last thing inshallah ta'ala is excuses. What excuses does a person make of not turning back to Allah? <laughs> On the day of Jajah, I'm skipping our around. The person says, Oh... To, you know, if, if only Allah guided me, I would have been good. Had only Allah guided me, I could have been from the people who have taqwa, people who fear, people who obey, people who are conscious of the right and wrongs. I could have been from those people. It's just that Allah didn't want me to be guided. Allah decided that I should be a messed up person. It's just my fate. This is what a person will say on the Day of Judgment, by the way. Person is about to be thrown into hell and he says, Oh man, I wish Allah just guided me, I would have been good. I just he didn't. So in other words, he's saying it's not my fault. What's he saying? It's Allah's fault. It's not my fault. How does Allah respond to that? He says, ayati. No, no, no. My ayat. My ayat. You know what ayat means? These miraculous signs, these revelations. They came to you. In other words, when he says, Allah didn't guide me, Allah says, no I did, I sent ayat. In other words, what is the guidance of Allah? The ayat. So you can't say, Allah didn't guide me. Yes, he did. Here's Quran. Here it is. Did you take it? There's one thing, you didn't feed me. No, the plate was in front of you. You didn't eat. That's not my problem. You didn't take. So Allah sent the book and he said, no, you're lying. The, the, I did send you the ayat. Then you lied against them. In other words, when you said, Allah didn't guide me, you're lying. You lie that I didn't send you ayat? First of all, you've been sitting your whole life. Now you come in front of me and now you say you didn't send me guidance, you're gonna lie to my face too? Wastakbarta, and this is the most important one for you guys. 
You know, I told you there are two major problems you have to worry about. What were they? Parents and what? Shamelessness. That's on the outside. You know what the biggest problem is on the inside? Ego. You guys, you know, me, me too. We're all full of ourselves. We're obsessed with ourselves. We're egotistical maniacs. We are so obsessed, self-obsessed obsessed and self-absorbed uh, that if somebody so much as looks at you for a long time, you say, what are you looking at, man? You don't look at me. What do you want? What's up? You want to go? You know what that is? That's arrogance. That's kind of like Fir'aun. Kind of like, he was also very self-absorbed. You know, um, I, I know you can't deny this. A lot of you listen to hip-hop music, I know. You don't have to accept it, it's okay. You can accept it in your heart. Okay? You know what, a lot of things, in, I personally believe all music is messed up, but uh, hip-hop music particularly is um, by and large taking these people and making them not just animals, but worse than animals. Why? Self-obsession with the self. My chain, my hat, my car, my rims, my golden tooth, my, <laughs> my, 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 you can't touch me, you can't do this, you can't do this like me, you can't act like me and talk like me and walk like me. The pronoun me is all over the lyrics. What does that show you? Ego. I am number one. Nobody can touch this. I am above everything else. I, 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 me, me, me. Ego, ego, ego. And that's your biggest problem. The ego manifest. The, the worst way in which ego comes up in, the, in youth nowadays that I've seen, yeah, this is a big English word I want to show you because this is the, rest, this is the last part of the ayah, was takbarta. You showed arrogance. From those who deny. This word, what I want to show you, the English word is apathy. You know what apathy means? Apathy means you don't care. Somebody talks to you about hellfire, and you're like, I'm too hard to, you know, I'm too rough around the edge. You can't touch me with that. I ain't scared of that. Man. Come on. Look at that guy crying. <laughs> that guy's crying because he's afraid of hell. <laughs> that attitude where you're like a too, too, too hardcore a thug to, you know, let hellfire scare you, or to, for your consciousness to wake up and say, maybe I have been messed up to my parents. I'm not going to let you show that. I'm not going to let you see that. I'm too rough around the edges. I'm too big and strong or whatever. And this is, by the way, an ego problem for sisters as well. When you deflect like that, this is called apathy. And this is all a manifestation of arrogance. And the word that illustrates the arrogance of our youth today, it's one word that they use a lot. What is that word? Oh yeah, whatever. Whatever. That word is the contemporary manifestation of an obsessed and inflated ego. When you, get, when you hear good advice, what do you say? Whatever. You hear somebody tell you you're doing something wrong? What do you say? Whatever. <laughs> Your parents tell you, could you come down for dinner? Whatever, mom. The word whatever nowadays is a... And how you use it, how you use it, is an easy check on, to, for yourself to see how, how egotistical you've become. On the outside, there's the problem of shamelessness and the problem of not respecting our parents. On the inside, what's the big problem? Ego. And by the way, on the Day of Judgment, if everything was good, but your heart had an ounce of ego, an ounce of ego, paradise or no? Nope. Nope. And we've become a culture 
And I'm not pointing at American society or Western society. All of us are in this culture. We're in it. We have become a culture that is obsessed with ego. We're obsessed with ego. Ourselves. Our own selves. Get over yourself. A slave doesn't have ego. A slave has humility. Remember where this passage began? What did Allah call us? My slaves. My slaves. The slave doesn't show you what he's got. Because he knows it's not mine. Who is it? Who is it? The slave is wearing nice clothes. A slave is wearing nice clothes. He doesn't say, these are my clothes. My, mine, mine. Who does he, he say? The gift from the master. This is his. I have to be grateful. He gave. It's a different attitude. It's a different attitude. And if you have an egotistical attitude, it actually suggests that you haven't accepted yourself as a slave. You haven't accepted yourself as a slave. That is the demand of the Qur'an. Accept Allah as master, accept yourself as slave. That's the, that's the arrogance. It kills the arrogance on the inside. And on the outside then, it becomes easy for you to avoid shamelessness because the master said don't be shameless. It, it becomes easy for you to listen to your parents no matter how illogical and how irrational and how unfair. You know, and you guys just... I don't know. I don't want to get angry at you guys because I don't know you. But I, I do want to say... God, the things you get angry about at your parents, it's pathetic. You want to go sleep over at your friend's house and they say, no, you never let me do anything. <laughs> there are people like, you know, across the Atlantic, children that haven't had food to eat for three days, right? And you're crying all night about the sleepover. <laughs> what does it matter with you? Retarded, what is it called? Emu culture? Is that what it's called? Emu? Emo, emo. I got confused it with Elmo all the time. But somebody explained it to me. I was like, I thought Elmo was happy. I don't know. It was supposed to be a really depressed culture and all, you know, all that. The other genre of music. Oh, I only have an M3 from 2008. I don't even have an 09 M3. I'm so depressed about that. Yeah. You're, 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 you get you're upset at your parents for such pathetic things. You're sending yourself to hellfire over such minuscule, petty things. You know, if they're asking you to clean your room, clean your room and clean theirs too. <laughs> Be quiet. If they're telling you to just turn the thing off and come for dinner, come for dinner. Seriously, if I see, if you know, uh, in my house, especially respect for mother, right? If the kids are playing on the Wii or something, or they're watching something, and the mother calls, wait, hey, lunch is ready. She said, lunch is ready. You know what most of you do? Coming! <laughs> but you're not coming. <laughs> you do that, right? You know what you deserve when you do that? When the mother calls, you know what you should be doing? You know the fuqaha talk about even break the salah, the, other than the fuqaha, break the salah and go listen to the mother. Go listen to her. And if you take 10 more seconds, if I was there, I'd just take the thing and just break that TV, go to your mother. How dare you? This is more worth more to you than your mother? She carried you around and for, for, you know, four months after the you know, baby gets really big, the last four months of her pregnancy. You try carrying a book bag around on your stomach for four months, see how that feels. Even when you go to the bathroom, when you go to sleep. She did that for you, then she delivered you and almost died doing so, and lost pounds and pounds of blood and guts when she was delivering you. She almost died giving you birth, and then when she calls you, you say, coming! Show some respect. Be grateful. 
My parents don't understand. Yeah, they do. They understand you better than you understand yourself. They understood you when you were pooping on yourself. Right? That's when they understood you. They still understand you. You think they don't understand you, but they do. You don't understand. You know? Oh, you, you say, oh, my parents have a funny accent. They don't even understand English. Actually, your parents are twice as smart. Because at least they, have, they can speak somewhat in English. You can't even speak a little in Urdu or Arabic or Turkish or... So they're twice as smart as you, because at least they can communicate in two languages. Right? So don't, don't undermine your parents, don't underestimate them, show them respect, show them regard, not only for their sake, but you know, for the religion's sake. This is a core teaching of our religion. And I tell you, whatever problems you think you have on the Day of Judgment, all of them will pale in comparison to this one. This one problem you have, it will pale. And you know, the, when you don't have this, when you don't show respect to your parents, then there's a curse of Allah on you, when the curse of Allah is on you, the door to all those other sins opens up. Might as well dig your hole deeper. But when you take care of your parents, the du'as of your parents are with you. And when the du'as of your parents are with you, then you are saved from shamelessness. Then it becomes easy for you to wake up for fajr. Then it becomes easy for you to guard yourself from filthy language. And to keep away from bad company. Because the du'a of your parents is with you. You know, this is very serious stuff. This will make or break your life. This will make or break your life. So take this advice, inshallah ta'ala, seriously. If you know, I know this is supposed to be, supposed to be a talk about New Year's or something, I couldn't care less. But, uh, but you know, what I, I really sincerely advise you to do, inshallah ta'ala, as a favor to yourself, more than anything else. When you go home, clean up the whole house. Clean up the whole, vacuum the whole thing, and like, you know, make, make mom breakfast tomorrow in the morning, early. Massage your feet, take care of dad, listen to him yell and smile back. Don't talk back, smile back. But what do you think? You're a good son all of a sudden? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Nothing more. Just take it. It's okay. Just take it. But go out of your way to do good for them. And you know what that will be? That will be your way of showing Allah, Ya Allah, I heard your ayat. I heard that there's still hope for me. And I'm hoping that this act of mine is a show that I, you will cleanse all of my sins away. That this will be my tawbah for you. And from now on, I will take care of my parents. And whenever your parents get mad at you, do more for them instead of doing less. Do more for them. When they're yelling at you, do more. Don't do less. Don't walk out of the house, ah, I'm going to play ball. I'm going to talk to my friends. Or they're yelling at you and you're texting. Your phone should be snapped in half if you're doing that. If your parents are talking to you and you're not paying attention. When your parents are on the phone, don't put the, ear, the, you know, the headphone on and you're playing the video game on the phone and talking to your mother at the same time. Don't do that. When you're talking to your mother, forget everyone, forget everything. Talking to your mother. Even if you're among your friends, you're at the play, you're at the restaurant, everybody's eating food, your mom calls, walk out, talk to her. Don't send her a voicemail. Show some respect. This is how we have to be with our parents. This is what we have to be with our parents. I, did, I emphasize this a lot, I didn't emphasize the, uh, the shamelessness thing, so I'll take maybe two minutes and emphasize some things about the shamelessness thing. What I told you was, the more you watch shamelessness, the more what happens to you? you become more like animals. And you know what the manifestation of that is? manifestation of that is, you know, if you have no problem looking at something, staring at someone, not, you know, you're not looking at them as a decent human being, you know, you're looking at them as an animal, as a piece of flesh. That's all you're looking at them at. That means you have no respect for your own mother, your own sister, your own wife, 
your own daughter. They are also women. You wouldn't want somebody to stare at them. The one you're staring at is also somebody's daughter. It's also somebody's sister. It's also somebody's mother. Watch it. Even if they don't have respect for themselves, non-Muslim women, sometimes they don't have respect for themselves, so they'll dress in inappropriate clothing. Even Muslims dress in inappropriate clothing, for that matter. But you have respect for yourself and the women of your family and, and, and lower your gaze. Do that. And it's really disgusting when the entire family sits together and they're watching movies and shamelessness comes on and they're all the mother and the daughter and the you know, husband and the, the, the brother, everybody sitting together watching, oh, it was just one bad scene, it's okay. It's disgusting. That's not the behavior of a Muslim family. We should be disturbed by shamelessness. We should be, you know, we should stand against it. This is one of the great uh, troubles of this society. There are a lot of great things about our society. Lots of great things. But this is one of the things that's destroying our youth. Overexposure to shamelessness. Some girl just randomly messages you, I want to be your friend on Facebook. Well, I don't. <laughs> no. Go find your, your brother to be friends with. Don't you have a father? He's not friendly to you? You need to find friends elsewhere? You know? These, and I, I, guys, I'm telling you this very, very seriously. I'm very serious about this. These, you think this is fun. And you know, oh yeah, she's, yeah, nice pictures. This is your ticket to hellfire also. You're destroying your character. Would you want to marry a girl like that? That a hundred other boys have looked at as, ah, she's kind of cute, yeah. Oh, you married her? Oh, great. Where's your manhood? You know, the Muslim, they have a sense of haya, the women and the men. And our women, you don't, you don't, you know, nobody's supposed to look at your wife except who? You. Nobody's supposed to enjoy her beauty except you. Right? You would be disturbed if somebody said, ah, oh, mashallah, you have a really beautiful wife. You'd be disturbed by that. Right? We're supposed to be as disturbed when we look at non-Muhalim. We're supposed to have that sense of shame. I don't know where it's gone. It's on vacation nowadays. For a lot of Muslims, it's on vacation. Revive that sense of shame. This is very important. It will destroy your family life. You will not be able to have a healthy marriage. You will certainly not raise good children if you don't have a sense of shame. You have to have a sense of shame. The kind of filth that is on television, the kinds of things you're watching. You know, the Messenger warned us, alayhi salatu wassalam, you know, they're, they're wearing clothes, but they're not wearing clothes. He warned us of a time like that. And that's what, oh, it's just PG-13. It's okay, we can go. It's just PG-13. Oh, it's just one bad scene in there. Oh, it's not that bad. Right? What do you want us to do then? Because, you know, I can't even watch the movie. Even my parents don't let me do anything. My life is so sad because I didn't watch whatever. Right? Get over yourself and get over this obsession with entertaining yourself. You're a, you're a free person. There is life other than television and other than movies and other than Hulu.com and other than, you know, whatever else. There's life outside of that too. There's still oxygen to breathe. You'll survive, trust me. You'll still be alive if you abandon those things. Actually, you'll be much happier too. Dude, if you, you know, the thing is, I can tell you what not to do, but finally I have to tell you what to do, right? Because if you're not doing all of that, then what are you doing? Find time doing sports. Go out. <coughs> Start jogging or something. Find a healthy activity. I'm not saying necessarily find a religious activity. I don't expect that from you. But I do expect, find an activity that at least isn't making you a worse human being. You understand what I'm saying? At least do no harm. At least do no harm. And the elders here that are sitting, please, just a, a minute of your time. If our youth are coming together in the masjid, and they're not learning anything about Islam. They're just sitting here. 
eating pizza or whatever, and just talking about stuff, some random video game. I am so happy that they're doing that. Because you know, if they weren't doing that here, they're probably doing something much worse at home. So don't say, hey, these children, hey, what are they doing? Hey. Please don't do that. Let them be here. Because the alternatives are worse. At least they're doing no harm. At least they're better than what else is out there. You understand? You have to build these, you know, don't expect like the highest caliber of behavior from our youth. You didn't raise them that way, so how can you expect that from them? You put them in public school, they didn't apply themselves. You put them there, you expose them to shamelessness eight hours every day, and then when they don't act like, you know, the, the you know, tabi'im, they're like, how can they behave like this in the masjid? What's the matter with you? Get real, accept reality, this is reality. So, you know, I, I, I ask, sincerely ask the, the elders of our community to have more tolerance for youth in the masjid, to be more welcoming to them, to not push them away. And I sincerely ask you young, young guys, the last bit of advice is about well, shamelessness, and I'm done until I promise this time, I'm done, done, I mean it. Find better company to hang out with. If your company is shameless, you will be shameless. If your company has shame and decency, you will develop shame and decency. If your company is messed up, they will drag you to hell with them. And you'll think that they're cool. But a day will come when they'll be really, really hot. Right? It's not going to be cool at all. So I, I pray you take some of this advice seriously, inshallah ta'ala. I didn't want to talk about too many things, but I ended up doing so anyway. I just feel like, you know, I don't get, I don't spend a lot of time, opportunity, talking to youth about just, just, uh, just uh, simple advice. But please do take these, these two matters and make them the most important priority in your life. Avoid shamelessness and take care of your parents. And try to fight the ego inside. Inshallah ta'ala, retain your humility. I sincerely pray that you are able to be leaders of this deen and able to carry its message and able to raise healthy, strong Muslim families, inshallah ta'ala, when the time comes. Because you are our leaders. You are, like it or not, you guys are the leaders of this community in the next you know, decade. You are, the, you, you are what this community is, inshallah. You are what Islam is. You have that responsibility. May Allah help you take that responsibility strongly, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah give your parents the ability to raise you right. May Allah help you find good company and help you avoid bad company. May Allah help you quit your bad habits, get you out of the cycle of being exposed to shamelessness, get you to learn to keep you to control your tongue against your parents and to, to stop wasting your time and to become regular in your salawat. If I said anything good or true, it's a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. If I made any mistakes, they're certainly my own. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.